In today's episode of The Money Lab, we get to talk about money stories around buying misery, relationships, and bankruptcy. All right, welcome to The Money Lab podcast, episode number 95, The Money Buys Misery, Money Story. All right, welcome to the Money Lab podcast. I am your host, Wei Hong, and this is the podcast where we talk about money stories, tips, strategies, and interviews with some amazing people so that you can be inspired to create a lifestyle free of bad money stories, money anxiety, and stress. There is a complimentary ebook that goes with this show. It's called From Money Anxiety to Six Figure Mastery. Make sure you go to go.thesixfigureacademy.com and get it there. It's the perfect complement to all things we discuss on the show. It's free. And quite frankly, we've been told that it could change your life. Now, while you're there, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode and you can catch us every week. For all other ways to find us, go to thesixfigureacademy.com forward slash radio for all the details. And if there's something you love about what you hear on this episode today and with the guests that I have, I, I can practically guarantee, in fact, every guest that I have, I mean, my guests are amazing. And if you know the stuff that you hear could help someone that you care about, remember, sharing is caring. So share this show to that person. Now, I'm really excited about my guest because not too long ago, I was on his podcast and we had a really cool conversation. We almost didn't want the podcast to end, but at some point, we don't all need to be like Joe Rogan recording mm-hmm. Hours and hours and hours of a conversation. <laughs> you know, we, we want to be respectful of your time. But my guest today is Scott Garwood, and Scott Garwood actually retired from living the American dream. I think that's a in, that's a quotable thing, right? Air quotes. It is. It at is, the yeah. young age of thirty-three. Wow. I mean, that was like when I was younger. I said forty, but he's thirty-three. So I got he one up me there. No, seven up. That's seven years, right? When he realized, you know, it wasn't his dream at all. You know, in the intervening 17 years after that, he developed a serious growth habit, which I love. And we're going to talk about that as well. And he has shared that habit with thousands of other people. He's been featured on platforms all around the world as a trusted and leading beyond success coach. You know, a lot of people say, I'm a success coach, but he's a beyond success coach, kind of like Earth. No, no, Earth, Wind, and Fire. No, Bed, Bath, and <laughs> Beyond, right? If you've ever seen the movie, click that Beyond Room. Right? So so he's a Beyond success coach. And much of his work involves creating tools and programs and communities for growth-minded, self-aware change makers. And that's kind of how we met. We got introduced as one of those mutual, like-minded change makers of the world and what, and he wants to experience that want to experience life on the highest levels, okay? So uh, I'm, before I go too far, just reading off of all of that, I want to go ahead and just jump right in so that you guys can hear from this amazing man. So welcome to the show, Scott. I'm, fi- I'm so glad we're finally able to get you on my show. <laughs> Thank you, Way. And when we when we interviewed you for my show, I think it went two hours and we hadn't even gotten to age eight with you and we had to stop. So <laughs> I know. We have a long ways to go. <laughs> I know. By the time I got to age 12, I was already a 60-year-old man. No, anyway. <laughs> But uh, no, and that's probably why the show hasn't been released yet because it's been such, (laughs) it was such a long show. But before we dive in, because I know you and I can just run the gambit and the next thing I know, the hour's going to get away. I want to make sure that 
you know, because um, because the, the show today is called, you know, the money buys misery because it's based on your story about buying things, relationships, and even bankruptcy. So let's talk first and foremost and get it out of the way. What what was your money story that you grew up with? I mean, even though you retired at a uh, ripe young age of thirty three from the daily grind, so to speak. What was the money story that you grew up with that maybe made that thing happen and then dealing with other circumstances in your life as a result? Uh, well, thanks for asking. You know, I, I grew up with in a different situation than most, but with a similar, I think, uh, money story as a lot of people. I grew up spoiled rotten. I have four <laughs> older sisters, two wonderful parents. I'm the baby boy, right? I was five years younger than my youngest sister. Wow. So somebody was happy that some testosterone came into the family. <laughs> Dad, we got to do this again. I'm tired of being surrounded by women. <laughs> so Not that there's anything wrong being surrounded by women. I think it's great, actually. Well, my sisters dressed me up in wigs. <laughs> okay, never mind. So maybe he didn't get all the testosterone he was looking for, but he got some. <laughs> and... You know, my message and my message as far as love goes from my dad at the time, and he's no longer with us. He passed in 2010. Mm -hmm. He did his best like all parents do. But my message was when I get stuff, I'm loved. Mm. And so I got used to that at a very, very young age, probably six months or so. Right. And then so I just kept getting more and more stuff to make me feel loved and make me what I thought was feeling happy. Wow. And so you, you go through high school that way and you got everything you want and you ask for more and you get it. Wow. Then you go off to college and you got, I think I worked, worked my butt off on doing yards and, and driveways for a long time to save up 2,500 bucks. Mm -hmm. And by September of first year of college and you started in August, all that's gone. <laughs> <laughs> so then what do you do? You get credit cards. Credit cards will let you buy more stuff. So and they can feel loved again. So, so you can feel loved again, wow. man. You know how that works. I don't uh -huh. know if it's the same nowadays, but credit card companies love college. Cards. Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. I, I yeah. think that was the beginning of the – I think credit cards and college was like the big actuator of all the latent money stories that I grew up with. Really? I mean, it was terrible. American Express was the worst. Oh, my God. That was like the first massive blow to my credit yeah. um, because back then, if you remember, American Express, they – they didn't have monthly installments. You had to pay everything off every single month, every single mm -hmm. time. And if you didn't, they came down you so hard, yep. so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible relationships with those guys. So that, that yeah. continued on and you just get credit card after credit card. And even though you start to make good money, right, you're still spending more than you're making. And, and then I went through this corporate world thing and it was so important to me to climb the ladder and make mm -hmm. more and have more people working for me and have mm -hmm. a big title and, I remember one year I, I got promoted and I had a bathroom in my office. It was just like, this is it, right? <laughs> I don't ever have to leave my office again. <laughs> Never. And I had my own coffee maker in a bathroom. You're like, this is heaven. And that lasts for about a week, just like everything else you buy and acquire. Uh -huh. And I remember at one point, so, you know, this, this podcast isn't about my career, but at one point I said, I'm just not happy. I'm spending 80 hours a week at in the corporate world working for somebody else, and they have full control over my life. Right. And right. I'm fat and, and smoking and drinking, and my marriage is in the toilet, all these things. Wow. I didn't – Yeah. <laughs> Looking at the, how you are now, I can't even imagine like that's how you lived back in the day. Holy cow. 
Yeah. And uh, we know each other well enough. I was a complete jerk. Yeah. I really was because large, large part because, you know, nothing truly made me happy. Nothing truly made me loved, mm-hmm. feel loved. So you had to do bad things to people and be a jerk to try to feel better about yourself. That's what yeah. this all comes down to. So it's like almost like a compensatory behavior pattern to, you know, I, 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 um, I can absolutely totally relate because um, I tell people all the time, there was a period in my time where I was trying to figure myself out where I really didn't know myself just yet. And I was a total a-hole. I, yeah. I, I mean, I was a terrible boss, you know, and I blamed all my employees for behaving poorly. But the reality was it came from the top, right? Yep. Um, so, yeah, I get it. I mean, I, and I think anybody who has done any type of deep, profound work, I mean, for someone, I mean, very few people. I would say maybe the Dalai Lama was never an a-hole. I mean, and <laughs> because, I mean, they just scooped him up as he was a baby and just... <laughs> <laughs> and just said, yeah. you are the Dalai Lama, right? Um, maybe when he was two months old for but, a minute. Yeah, maybe for a minute. But I think maybe he might have had like a whole thoughts. I don't know. <laughs> we don't know, right? He's never going to really say. I wonder. I will ask him though. I would, If I ever say, hey, have you ever had a whole thoughts? Can you imagine? If <laughs> going, oh my God, he's traveled all the way to say the Dalai. You have one question. Hey, have you ever had any a whole thoughts? He would go, hmm. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I'm glad you finally asked. Because <laughs> nobody has been able to ask. I mean, can, I, mean I, I know I would have. You know, if I was ousted from my own country and seeing my own country brethren, like, being killed and, you know, you know those Chinese people. You know, those Chinese people, I swear, sometimes. Anyway. <laughs> all of them. All of them. Just all of them. Me included. No, I'm kidding. So, Actually, let's start with W. <laughs> start with me. Just start with start me. With you. Yeah, I'll take it all. I'll take the brunt of it all. Dynasty after dynasty. Anyway, we digress. So, um, so you were miserable. You were unhappy. I mean, you thought you had it all for making money and everything, like doing what what you call everybody says the American dream, right? You were like yep. that '80s guy, like you know, you're like, look at this. I've got the I got the office. I got the bathroom. Was there a shower in the bathroom? No shower, but if the toilet overflowed, sometimes it could act as one. Yeah, just later for a little bit. <laughs> it's like here I go. It's like, what are you doing? Taking a bath. Leave me alone. Come back later. <laughs> So what? Yeah. I, so yeah. So you had it set about a week, but you were there for more than a week, though, in that position. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So through, I, I climbed the ladder for twenty something years, and wow. and I got to a point where, uh, long story short, but the the company that I originally left on purpose because it just wasn't a good fit, they bought the company I was with then, and I said, "This is it." You know. Oh wow! They're following all this you. Effort, all this energy, all this focus, and yeah. my life isn't really that happy, and. Um, some other place has control over most what I spend most of my time at. Right. So I said, I got to, I got to, fi- that was my first epiphany. I said, I got to figure this out because this is not what life is about. And we're only here once. Yeah. As, far as we know. What else so, is going on? I mean, I, I know you weren't happy at work, um, but what else is going on that, that kind of added to that, those layers of um, I'm not happy. Um, my life is not happy. Were you married at the time when you were I fun? was, I was married for 28 years and this was in the middle of it. And we, I was, you know, getting up, it was mid thirties, but, uh, we were getting older. We hadn't even talked about children yet. Uh, my whole life was about me and what I wanted in my career. So it was very, very selfish. And, mm-hmm. and our marriage was not, uh, in a pleasant place at that point. This was before my real, real growth started. Mm-hmm. So a large part of that was because of me right. and I was smoking a pack a day and drinking a lot and 80 pounds heavier, 85 pounds heavier, mm-hmm. just not happy. Mm-hmm. So uh, luckily, and this is this is the other message I got from my 
I got a lot of messages. Here's the other good one I got sure. from my sisters and my parents. Uh-huh. You will always be okay. So I knew, I felt that. That's a feeling. That's a belief. So I just quit. I said, this isn't it. This isn't what life's about. I got to figure it out. And I quit. So then I bought my, uh, you know, I loved cars. So I said, I'm going to go be, I'm going to go own a performance shop for cars. And that's going to solve everything. How fun. And I remember this. I, I walked to, into a Mercedes dealership the day I'm buying this business. And I, I sat in the Mercedes. And it was one top of the line Mercedes. And I, I had two friends with me. I remember it vividly. I said, I'm going to have one of these soon. So it's still all about money, right? Mm-hmm. I bought this business. I left my career, but I still needed this car to make me feel better. That was my still my mindset. Oh, so the story was still running. Even though you oh, made yeah. a decision about your current circumstance, the story in the background, the money story was still running. Still running okay. and probably getting worse, right? And two years later, thank God I went bankrupt. So this business is finally the one that had enough financial pressure in addition to what I brought into it to take it all down. And that was one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Hmm. So I remember, I remember two things happened. One, that shift of, I need more stuff stopped immediately. It was like done. I don't need anything else. In fact, for a while there, my money story was money makes me unhappy. Money hurts. Right. Yeah. Stuff hurts. Yeah. Right. And that, so that was one of the messages I got, which I absolutely needed. And the other one was I, I, for the first time in my life, felt responsible for someone else because I had to sit across the table from my wife with both of us crying and saying, honey, I'll never do this to us again. Mm. So it was no life was no longer about me. I had other people that I was responsible for. So that was a big one. Yeah. It's so interesting how like money – and bankruptcy and all these different things are have be- has become such a heavy piece or such a significant piece in all our lives. And when yeah. when we break through f- break away from our money stories, you, most of like most of my students and clients have found like, oh, money's just this one tiny piece, Ooh, right? That. Versus what our capitalistic world has kind of like, driven and cultivated us to feel and believe. I mean. I mean, that, that visceral moment where you're sitting there, the cathartic moment where you sitting there across from your wife, both of you are crying over what? The bankruptcy, right? Well, I was crying over what I did to her. Mm, okay. So I felt Got guilt. Right. She was crying because of the, uh, she felt very insecure and not safe, which was very important to her. Right, right. And, and, and you know, the, and the perception and the trap is this, is that in those circumstances, the utterances that come out, what you know, and I don't know if that if that's re- if that's relevant to what you guys are going through. If someone came and says, "Here, I'm going to give you bailout money and bail you out," in that moment, the tears would probably stop, gratitude and appreciation. But you know, the the irony around that, then it wouldn't resolve the true deeper problem, right? right. So right. we think money is going to solve the problem, but even if we're presented and we use it to solve the problem, it actually distracts us. It's like, hey, look here, look here, from the deeper problem of that guilt, right? Yes. And the insecurity or not feeling safe, which really, at the end of the day, if you remove all the contextual stuff, has nothing to do with money. Mm-hmm. Super. Money is the trigger. Yeah, right? money's the trigger. But we make it money being the reason. This is why bad money stories exist. It's are so, this is why this show exists, because it's such an important component in the, wor- the world that we currently live in. You know, I say all the time is that if if it wasn't capitalism, if it wasn't money, and let's say like the the, the mode of uh, commerce was potatoes, then this show would be called the Potato Lab. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be called the Money Lab. <laughs> 
Right. You can do fun things with potatoes. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> There's a lot you can do with potatoes. A lot, lot more than you can do with a piece of doll, a dollar bill, right? Yeah. It's yeah. already got a head on it. A potato. I know. And eyes, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's got eyes on everything, on everyone. The potato <laughs> is watching you. <laughs> okay, so so in that moment, the shift happened. And I, I, it's so funny. I, I like what you say. Thank God I went bankrupt, right? Thank God I went bankrupt. You know, and so many people see like, oh my God, bankruptcy and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, you're saying thank God. And so why, why, why are you saying that? Because what happened trans after that because of that bankruptcy? Because I'm sure in the moment when you were going back and you're like, oh, thank God I'm do- this is happening to me, right? How did that, so, where did the shift happen? I was, I was, the shift happened and that was in, uh, that was December of 14, I, no, 04, I think. Yeah, December mm-hmm. of 04. And, and one month later or two months later, I walked into, the Personal Success Academy in Naperville, Illinois. And oh. on February 1st, 2015, that's when my life started to change because I mm. found the right coach, the right mentor, the right guide who is still my my main coach, mentor, and guide. Cool. As soon as I walked in that door, I understood, hey, this thing upstairs, this mind of ours, is in complete control of us until we learn how to switch that equation. Mm. And I got a sample of that on the first day, and then I was hooked. So my life became about personal growth, professional growth from that point on. It's addicting, so that was isn't it? A true blessing in all this. Super. I was addicting. hurting so bad. I raised my hand and I walked into the right place. Nice. And yeah. I that's... hope that. I wish that on every person that ever listens to this and every person in this world, actually. Because yeah. Changes... Yeah. Like I think I told you before, I don't think I'll ever be without a coach ever again because it's just not worth it. Yeah. Sure. Can I navigate life alone stuff like that? No. Yeah. But I'm kind of impatient. I like to get things quicker. I like to get to where I want to go quicker. And easier too. Yeah. More yeah. effectively. Yeah. Yeah. Because then if we start ourselves work, you know, operating in a vacuum all the time, so funny, right before we started the show, I talked about staying in this little cave of mine forever. <laughs> now, then I want to be able to interact with my coach <laughs> or my mentors. <laughs> well, they can just talk through the slot. I, the I know. It's like, and just pass the food down through that slot, <laughs> if you will. Okay. And when you're done, I need a little thin tray to container for a gray water. No, anyway. So, um, <laughs> so, so that's where the shift happened. And then... What was it an upward trajectory from there? Was it, you know, did the money story just went boop, disappear? Or was it just kind of like a, I mean, was it like an Eckhart Tolle moment where you just like woke up and you're totally enlightened? Yay. Mm. And start and write books. <laughs> that was the biggest, but I've been having shifts ever since. And, mm-hmm. and we talked about that right before we got on. So I had another shift last night, in fact, and we'll mm-hmm. get to that. Mm-hmm. But after that, it was a 180 degree shift, right? I was mad at money. I was mad at stuff because it caused all this pain. And I was on the front end of my growth journey, so I really didn't understand me or all of this. So I just got mad at money. And I, in fact, I said, I'm going to become a financial advisor to make sure other people don't have to feel this way. <laughs> all the while, while being <laughs> mad at money. Right. right. So, well, you know how that worked out. <laughs> <laughs> money doesn't care. It's like, want to be mad at me? I don't care. Okay, whatever. <laughs> That's all you. <laughs> Andrew Jackson on the bill was going, why are you mad at me? I know. <laughs> what did I ever do to you? I'm a forefather. <laughs> well, is he? Was he? Was he a forefather? Sure. Let's go with it. Yeah, let's go with it. Yeah. yeah so that was my, for a little bit, that was my money story. And of course, I did terribly as a financial advisor because uh, the big reason, it wasn't who I am. Mm-hmm. And two, I, had a, I still had a, I didn't really want to talk about money. I wanted to save people. I wanted to help people, but I didn't want to talk about money. It was painful. Yeah. 
So that lasted a year and a half. And even, even though I had a, an amazing mentor who owned the company, right. it still didn't work out. So the and money then, story was still kind of running or did it morph a little bit? Negative, yeah. Yeah. Negative. yeah. And then as I continued to evolve with my coach, and I've, I've had many coaches since and currently have five coaches in different areas. And, you, know, <laughs> oh, you sound like me back in the yeah. day. I was like, oh, that's too many coaches. I have eight. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I'm spending, I'm, it's my full-time job to be coached. <laughs> you have a growth habit. I know. There you go. Totally do. You do. So then it became um, the more the better allows me to make a bigger difference for others which is altruistic and, and very positive, right? You would think very mm-hmm. positive. Mm-hmm. And I was in that place for a long time and that really worked out because in, so this is metal life, which we're going to talk about later. That's my fifth company on my, as an entrepreneur, that's my fifth company. Number four company, tr- uh, transformational growth partners, still part of it. Mm-hmm. That was significantly, uh, uh, successful. It still is. Mm-hmm. So number four, one, two, and three were disasters, but they got me to number four, which was very successful, and five is going to be as well. But during number four, uh, the message was, you know, let's ha- let's make more money, and then we can serve others, and and that's a very positive thing. Mm-hmm. What that took me to, as I continued to grow in my life journey and just become more in love with myself and enjoy life the way it is, that turned into interestingly, and I found this out last night. Last night that money's not important. So I almost went off the entire deep end and said, just got rid of any money stories and just say, it's not important. I'm not going to focus on it at all. Away from being true to myself and others. Add that to the story I've had my entire life that I'll be okay. Well, if there's no balance and you take your focus off of money, you tend to lose a lot. (laughs) I'm glad you got there (laughs) because I was like, uh, where's he going with this? <laughs> yeah. Doesn't stick around. No, no. I mean, think about it. I mean, it's like being in a relationship, right? Imagine telling your significant other, it's like, you're not that important to me. You're just not. Will she or he stick around? She leaves. She leaves, <laughs> right? She leaves. So over the last two years, uh, and there's some, there's some emotional and, and, and mental and some spiritual big things that I went through over the last two years that also caused this. But over the last two years, this is a very, very nice uh, piece of pie that I created. Most of it got eaten. Mm. So that, that brought us to last night. And you know, my, my business partner, Mark Mm -hmm. Longwith, who's Mm -hmm. a client of yours Mm -hmm. and he's, he's a great business partner largely because of the work you've done with him. I appreciate that. Yeah. He's cool. I like it. He called me out on my stuff last night. Nice. Of course, the universe is timing this. God is timing this. On your podcast the next morning, I know. Call him. Call him out right before he goes on the Money Lab podcast, so he <laughs> can talk about, about money. I know. Right just, before he goes, so that he can actually bring something of value to the show. No, you are already going to bring value to the show. Never mind. <laughs> but this is so cool. I think the timing is perfect. Then, so let's share. Let's, let's let's talk about that. Okay, so you had this conversation with Mark last night, and you were like, "I've been saying that money is not that important." Yet yes. everything that I have in my life and the things that are important to me at this moment, even the all those little cool cars in the background, for those of you who are watching video, he's still into cars. So am I, those actually. Are, those are all clients in racing, actually. Oh, very cool. Um, or like the cabinet or the printer or everything like that. I think you used money to buy those, didn't you? Soon it'll be potatoes. Oh, potatoes, right. Till now it's been money. Yeah. I will give you five fries for that headphone. Yeah. <laughs> 
six and you got a deal. Okay, fine. You just got to throw in a, a, a windsock <laughs> for that six fry. I would love to be able to kind of live in a world where we where we pay for things with French fries. The problem is I'd probably be broke all the time because I'm yeah. eating my French fries. <laughs> you would eat your own currency. I know. <laughs> eat my own <laughs> currency. We have edible currency. Hey, that's totally eco-friendly. You I know, like which like then increases ride. value of your excrement. Ew. <laughs> in the in in the, your visit to the bathroom <laughs> was worth ten fries. <laughs> you could have bought <laughs> the, a new suit with that. <laughs> wow. Anyway. Yeah, yeah this show great. just suddenly went off the deep end. I think I have to change the rating now. Instead of being clean, it's going to be totally over-the-top explicit. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Bitcoin. We don't need you anymore. <laughs> we have French fries. <laughs> so, okay. So going back to your conversation with Mark and then the epitome or epiphany or the aha moment. Yeah. So he's he's calling me out on, you know, so you, you've been very successful in business. I'm paraphrasing it's very successful in business. And now you have two new partners, three new partners, actually, that you're responsible for. Mm-hmm. And, and you're treating money like it doesn't matter. And for that reason, it's been going away big time for the last couple of years. And, and he said, uh, you're responsible for your team members and for your other people in your company. And I was like, you know, that's a reminder of what I learned a long time ago. And it's also the, the epiphany was, I've had too much trust in myself in my life that I will be okay. Which, by the way, is the the fundamental um, principle of trusting yourself, which is phenomenal. But right. I've had, I've gone over the deep end on that, mm-hmm. and I've lost all all respect for money itself. I just haven't paid attention to it. And and you're right; it's like a girlfriend. I've said you don't matter. Right. So there, there's got to be a balance in today's day one of figuring out that balance with a updated, fresh, super money story. There's that balance between I'm always going to be okay. Yeah. And this money is hugely important because it makes the world go around and it helps me help a lot of other people. Yeah. It, it's a great ally and it's a great tool, you know, to kind of facilitate. And, and that's one of the things that kind of when I had a big aha moment over the years of just working on my money story. And I'm right now in the middle of rehashing my whole entire program to make it even better. The new improved prosperity breakthrough program thing that I've been working with for years now. Um, and, and yeah, a lot of it's that whole piece where your story will morph, you know, and it's not like the one and done, you work on it, release, boom, move on. Why? Because life has happening. Life is in flux. You are in flux. You know, you're ever expanding and growing, right? And it's interesting to kind of just hear just in this short period of time, the the transformation and the movement from how your story was and how it evolved into this and how it is, is continuously evolving. And I think this is a very cool example of how your money story in life grows and evolves with you you know Mm. and if you can imagine if you devolve in a weird way your money story goes along with that as well it's almost like a reflection of you why because money is kind of your you know it is meant to be an ally it was created by man and thus reflects man yeah right so that's super super cool so now it went from money uh will buy you things to so that you can feel loved to i hate money to you're not important to me anymore. <laughs> right. Right. 
right? <laughs> I I have a sneaking suspicion that once you have that big breakthrough and then all of a sudden you have this loving relationship with money, all areas of your life is going to become even more loving. Yes. I mean, you'll probably also end up attracting this amazing person in your life because you're no longer using money as the buffer to kind of um, define that relationship on some level. How cool is that? That's kind of cool. Yeah. You mentioned. <laughs> right? It's like, hey. And it becomes effortless. It's just like, oh, hey, here you are. Hey, what's up? <laughs> you know, you, you tapped into something that's very important to me. So I, I've realized uh, about six months ago that, and now I'm actually, uh, for the first time in my life, I'm getting on stage and, and presenting this. Nice. And, and doing comedy stand-up routines. I'm, I'm, what? I'm adding, adding comedy to uh, growth. We're making growth fun. Comedy and music, yeah. Oh my God! Where are you? Do- are you doing like improv or what? I mean, starting practicing improv down here nice. in San Diego on nice. open mic nights and at comedy clubs. I need to go come, come watch you. Holy yes, cow! You <laughs> and heckle pull, you. For the audience. You'll be the guy in the audience that I pick on. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll just heckle you back. It's like tell them your money story. Yeah. <laughs> tell them about your excrement, pal. <laughs> How valuable that is. Tell them about <laughs> buying things with French fries. <laughs> That date you're on, that first date. Tell her all about the <laughs> Oh my God. Okay, so so well, so here's here's a message that I've learned. Our relationship with money or success or or uh, happiness, anything we want most in life, is directly proportionate to how we feel about ourselves at any given time. Yes, I like that. Yeah, absolutely. So if you feel better about yourself, more money shows up. Mm-hmm. If you're less better about yourself, less happiness shows up. It's all about how we feel about us. Yeah, because if I mean, just using your stories as an example, and I think if, if if everybody took the time to kind of really elicit their own money story, you'll find a common thread, which is it all leads back to self, right? Yes. You were spending money buying things because you yourself wanted to feel the love, right? Mm-hmm. You were you hated money because you hated what money was, what you perceived at the time, what money did to you or did to your life, right? And I hated me, so I blamed money. Right. So it's an outpicturing, right? Like we project it onto money. And money's easy because money, unlike a human being, just doesn't care. It's like that Geico commercial with that little pile of money that sits there with eyeballs and just every time the people look over, there's like the music just comes on. Did you have you ever seen that? Boots and pants. No. Not the music part, but have you seen that commercial? Have, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's so funny. I mean, I still remember the one that made me laugh was like, this guy was on a date with this girl and she's flirting with the pile of money that's on the other table. <laughs> the ta- it was just sitting there with its eyeballs. It didn't care, right? And at the end of the day, I think that's really what, what people aren't getting is that money doesn't care. So that's why it's so easy to blame money. You can blame money all day long and money will just sit there and say, I'll take it. I don't care. You can do whatever you want with me. If you don't want me in your life, I won't be in your life. If you want me in your life, I'll be in your life. You know, what do you want me to do? I think my biggest, one of my biggest breakthroughs was I was watching American Idol. And then uh, it was years ago. I think, that, are they still doing American Idol or did it have a final season already? I just hope there's reruns for the rest of my life. That's all I hope. <laughs> reruns of American <laughs> Idol. I want to watch reruns of reality show. Wait, isn't it supposed to be reality because it's like, you know, real and live? No, I want to watch reruns of it. We call sh- it re-reality. There re-reality. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's built into reality, so it'd be re-ality show. Oh, hey, there you go. Bing. Okay, I need to get paid for that, somebody. Okay, <laughs> but anyway, so um, so I was watching the show, and then every season, they always have an idol gives back moment, right? And then, I think I told you this story before. I did, probably did. And I was like going, 
I want to do that because I was seeing them doing all these amazing things around the world, domestically, internationally, with yeah. with the millions and millions of dollars that they're raising in one episode. And I was like, oh, I want to do that. Oh, wait, I can't because I don't have 10, 11, 12 million dollars to do that. <gasps> That's why I should be making money. Cool. Add that to the list, you know, and you just keep compiling this ongoing list repository of reasons why money is so important to you. And then as as the years went by, I just, comp- I just, I mean, every time I feel like money's like, eh, and there's a story that's activating, one, run my port- protocols, release that, let that go, and then go back to my list of all the things what I would use money for once I hit certain thresholds, so to speak, ah. right? So yeah. a long time I said, I always wanted to tithe, or I've always wanted to, uh, like, um, what do you call it, do charity work, you know, donate to charity, right? For me, my time is important, so I'd rather just give money. So money is a great way to kind of like replace the time you would spend volunteering. Even though volunteering is fun, I just have so many hours in a day. Mm-hmm. So money can kind of replace all of that. And so what it's been afforded me the, the capability to do is like if I see something that I believe in, like a nonprofit, I can immediately just say, click, donate, send, money paid. Recurring? Recurring. <laughs> you know, those types of things. So, so I think um, for me... That was one of like the biggest like moments. I was like, oh, yes. And then I created a routine out of being having that awareness of I could use money for that. I could use money for that stuff that I feel passionate about outside of myself that is not just for personal gain, so to speak. I bet that feels pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. It took a while, though. Had I not resolved my money story, I don't think I would have had that that approach or that perception of things because growing up like you yeah, was is all about me it's all about what money can do for me do you remember right. that eddie murphy stand up eddie what have you done for me lately <laughs> this is like a long time ago i'm, I'm, I'm totally dating myself eddie murphy stand up it's like who's eddie murphy i just remember wearing a red leather outfit yeah it was that it was that episode it was that show yeah. I think it was raw. Yeah, yeah, it was raw. And he was talking about his uh, South African or African girlfriend or something like that, that he was, you know, and then, I don't know, I have to watch it again so I can quote it properly. So, okay, cool. So, so now you're on a new shift. And I love this story because what this, what, what, what the audience can hear in this story is that your money story is an ongoing journey. Yes. And through the journey, of course, you're experiencing more happiness, more love, more, you know, evolution in your life, you know, like in your growth habit. And your money story is also growing and maturing and learning. You know, it's almost like its own sentient being. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so a lot of people think, oh, I just need to take care of my money story and all will be good. Is it? Well, your money story just it, it goes with you. It right. grows with you. Right. Right. As long as you yourself are growing. <laughs> My money story is growing, but I'm not. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> well, it's interesting you talk about that. So the, there's, you and I both work with highly pro, high profile, highly effective people uh-huh. uh, who most of them have created great wealth, right? Yeah. And they continue to do so. And yeah. what we learn from them, and part of that's in us ourselves as well with our own money, what we learn is uh, even though you're worth $100 million, you are so afraid of something that you have to keep making more. Mm. Otherwise that fear will, will kick in and you just won't know how to handle it. So the only, the only way for some, the only way to, to take care of that fear is keep making more. And then you become a prisoner of your own 
money story of accumulation. Yeah. Even though many of these folks, uh, in a very wonderful way, give millions back, they are still the 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 fear that has gotten them so wealthy mm-hmm. is also holding them back from truly enjoying life. Oh yeah, I mean, it, I mean, I think I told you this before offline. Is basically, I have so many people who are high net worth individuals coming to my office saying, "Wait, I have no reason to be unhappy." And yet here I am. What's going on? I was like, oh, are you learning that money doesn't buy you happiness? It's like, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, money anxiety. Great. Let's handle it. And yep. then their life changes. And, you know, and the byproduct of that is they end up making more money. Mm. I and mean, they're already adept at making money. But, you know, one has to wonder is like, you know, when someone says, well, I mean, he's already making 10 million. But what if he didn't have a bad money story running? Could he be at 100 million? And it's all relative too, right? Right. We can't look at someone who has 10 million. And say, He's made it. But what if in his mind he goes, this is nothing. I should be at 100 because of his mo- the systems and the, mo- the business model he's created. He goes, 10 million is a bad, poor reflection of his or her business model. Right. And the reason is, bad money story. It's not letting you go. <laughs> right. yep. and, and a relationship with yourself that could be improved. Yeah, Absolutely. So we see all these cars in the background. I've for since 2009, I've worked with a ton of race car drivers and crew chiefs and business and team owners who mm-hmm. are business owners as well. And if there's one fundamental thing I help them do, it's all associated with feeling better about ourselves. But mm-hmm. if there's one fundamental thing that I do, it's I help them have fun again. Yeah, they got into racing because they used to love racing cars, and then it became a job, and they had to make more, and they had to win more. Mm. That's what it became about. Right. We drop all the crap and just have fun and act like four-year-olds, and then they start to win races and championships. It's amazing. Yeah, and, and why do you, why do you think that is? I mean, in your experience, I mean, I, I mean, I think there's a part that you address with both yourself and in your clients and everything, which is, and and I've seen it as well in my own journey and journey with my clients is that when we break from the norm of what people think and how we should be to be quote unquote successful, mm-hmm. it starts to turn. And you start to break away from that, you know, that perception or that expectation, start to define your own path in life. It sometimes turns into more a, a bit of a lonely endeavor. I mean, there's a sense of kind of loneliness and that fear of that loneliness is what sometimes keeps us holding on to a bad money story, keeping ourselves stuck. Right. Yes. So 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 tell me how that has shown up in either your life or your, what you've seen in your clients. Well, another Another key message of the stand-up that I'm doing is I help us see ourselves and how lonely we are, and mm-hmm. then we make fun of it. And when we make fun of it, we can do something about it because it becomes, you know, per- especially personal. But growth, growth is a heavy subject. Yeah. And it takes work, and it takes focus, and it takes it takes suffering. Unfortunately, it takes suffering to have significant growth. So. But it's all worth it. Like fun work, it's fun suffering. Is there such thing as fun suffering? Suffering, yeah. <laughs> fun, so. fun suffering. Uh, fun, fun for ring. <laughs> we're just making up new words now. We're making up new currency and new words today. <laughs> Man, what a shift. I know. This is now called the potato lab slash money. <laughs> <laughs> you leave with excrement. But... <laughs> so... <laughs> hey, so... at least I used a an adult word to describe it. <laughs> true oh boy okay i love your i love your questions you're really good at this so um when i'm doing when i'm presenting that message with comedy and music about when we really 
understand ourselves, mm-hmm. we are truly lonely. And lonely doesn't mean I'm not with somebody else. Lonely doesn't mean um, I'm not with the right person. Mm-hmm. Lonely means I can be in a room of 200 people and still feel lonely, alone. Yeah. Feel alone. And that happens a lot. At, we see it in all of our clients. Right. It's lonely at the top. Yeah. Well, from their version, they have very few people to trust, if any. Right. And that just plain sucks. So right. that gets pretty lonely. Right. You know, everybody's after them for something. Right. And it happens to all of us at any level, even somebody without any money, mm-hmm. feel alone because of your relationship with yourself. Right. And the only time what I'm learning and, and got a long ways to go, the only time we're not going to feel like that is when we completely love ourselves. Yeah. And we don't need anybody or anything else. Those are just cool add-ons, right. but it's not going to make us any less lonely, any yeah. less lonely because we're not lonely in the first place. Yeah. I, I love that humility that you bring to the table. And that's just, it's a constant, like constantly reminding yourself that, Hey, I am still on this journey. Um, which is, which is so cool because we see so many people who do one breakthrough in their life and they, 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 they stop, Yep. you know, <laughs> and again, I think it might come from them feeling, well, if I go any further, I might be alone because I'll be so far ahead. And I have gone through that as well. Now, I think it, 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 ser- it, it will serve to kind of like make the distinction for our audience, the difference between alone and lonely, right? Yep. Because alone time is not necessarily a bad thing. And for many of us, alone time is almost like a necessary uh, endeavor or necessary piece of our life to kind of recover, rejuvenate, recharge, especially for people like you and I who are constantly out there helping people, working with people, talking to people, doing stand-up, whatever the case may be, you're around a lot of energy and to kind of disconnect for a little bit. So alone time and not to kind of confuse that with being lonely because a lot of times people who want to go alone time say, aren't you lonely? It's like, no, I'm not lonely. I just need alone time. But they're they're derivatives of the same, you know, word root, so to speak, lone, Right. right? So, so let so what, how do you distinguish between alone and lonely? And I think you kind of already did talking about even though you're surrounded by people, you can still feel lonely on the inside, right? So, how would you just define that? And then I, I can I can talk about how I define it. <laughs> so I love alone time. In fact, I have a four hour morning routine where it's just myself. And, That's fantastic. And when somebody bothers that, you're like, wait a minute, get out of my alone time. <laughs> Leave me alone. (laughs) Right. So that is so powerful and so necessary for our own personal growth. Right. To look inside and to do those things. Right. That feels amazing. What doesn't feel amazing is feeling lonely, which I describe as it's a feeling. When you Mm -hmm. feel lonely, you feel like something is missing. Right. And that something missing is inside. Mm. And what most of us do is we blame something in our you know, something external, whether it's people or things, or I don't have this or I need this. And, but what it really is, is we don't love ourselves. So it's a feeling of something's missing. That's mm. me. Yeah. And you can do that even happens to rock stars all the time. Yeah. There are 15,000 people jamming out. And as soon as they get off stage, they're lonely. Right. And everybody there loves them. Yeah. And, and I think it might also stem from the um, misunderstanding of the distinction between alone and loneliness. They think that, oh, no, now I'm all alone. I must be lonely, right? Versus, you know, like you're saying, a lot of people, I, I, I would say not everybody needs that because but because some people just don't. Some people just are total social butterflies. But, sure. you know, there's a, a lot of people do, you know, need that alone time as a means of recharge and stuff like that, especially a lot of creatives, you know, and, and when they're judged by society as 
something's wrong if they're just wanting to be alone and then they're not left alone. You know, that whole thing was like, oh, he or she can't be left alone right now. It's like, well, what if they need that? You know, and that exasperates the sense of loneliness because all of a sudden they have to withdraw within themselves in order to compensate for the fact that they don't have alone time. So there's this like weird thing. So I think, yeah, I mean, like you were saying, I think alone time is like a physical action, right? It's, an, it's a physical di- um, uh, distinction between loneliness, which is independent of being alone. I mean, you could be physically lonely, but loneliness combined with energetically lonely, emotionally, lonely, mentally lonely, you yeah. know? So. so maybe it's uh, as simple as you can be alone, mm-hmm. but you feel lonely. Right. So feel, uh, feeling and emotion. Lonely is a feeling and an emotion. Right. Even though they both kind of sort of sound the same. Alone, right. Right. lonely. Yeah. So I think the uh, the uh makes a distinction. So let's right. define uh. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, it, 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 it might what? mean something, but I don't know what it Let me means. Google uh. Uh, see how many results uh, we get. A, uh. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so but at the end of the day, this is all about how we feel about ourselves. Again, if yeah. you if you completely love you, which is a lifeline journey, mm-hmm. uh, if you, when you completely love you, you don't feel alone, whether anybody's with you or not. Yeah, yeah, I, and you know, and and that's the thing is that you know, money stories is just another metaphor for all the other stories that you're running in your life that are. Uh, helping you make sense of the world, you know, and, you know, a lot of the work that I do is around helping people survive or understand the world independent of their stories so they can easily work on stories that no longer serve them. Stories are good. Stories are great. Stories are powerful because it helps us reinforce good perceptions, good behavior patterns. Um, It's a double-edged sword, though, because the stories can do the opposite. It can reinforce unsupportive uh, behavior patterns or disempowering thoughts and feelings and all those different things, right? Yeah. yeah so, so, yeah. The way I interpret that is um, stories and and or beliefs, none of them are good or bad. Uh-huh. Are they empowering you or are they holding you back? Right. In their current in their current state. So. Yeah. Yeah. Story's the same, yeah. Yeah, story's the same. I mean, and money is just a kind of like, okay, it's a, it's a gateway piece. Okay, let's just use that. You know, it's like a gateway drug. No, it's not. It's that's a, well, it is maybe. But money can be, you know, people can be addicted to the whole concept of money thinking that's the way to do it. Um, and in reality, what it does is the coping mechanism for loneliness or the feeling or not loving self or distracting yourself from dealing or, or, investing in yourself so to speak you know ironically investing requires that money but they invest it in other things like me for a long time buying all my technology gear and stuff like that was a coping mechanism now i do it not just for my own person because i used to buy things all the time for my own personal enjoyment now i'm buying things about how can i what can i use this for to improve the content i'm putting out there for my clients <laughs> how do i improve the workflow so i can put out more content to help more people how can i that's really kind of my world right now when it comes to technology and buying things other than that it's like did you get groceries yet oh no shoot yeah i think i should spend money on that yeah okay i'll do that i literally was thinking about that before stepping into the show today i was like i don't have i need to order groceries after this i almost ordered it 
before we jumped on, I said, well, what if this goes long? Then I will miss my delivery. <laughs> so anyway, we digress no again. No fries, <laughs> no excrements. <laughs> no fries, no excrements. Uh, so we'll be okay in that regard. This booth will smell just fine. Oh, anyway. So um, so let's talk about MetaLife, okay? Because so so it sounds like MetaLife is kind of like the culmination of your life's journey packaged in a way so that you can take everything that you've gone through and then help others with it. So that, you know, which is kind of like, there's no greater purpose in life than service to others, right? So, you know, and a lot of people, they learn, they have breakthroughs, but they don't do anything with it, which I think is kind of a pity. Not that it's a requirement that you're supposed to pay it forward, but you're, you're, you're literally doing that. You're taking everything that you go through and as you continue to grow, as you process it, in, integrate it and get results, you're, it sounds like you're just, you're also then paying it forward as quick as you can and you created a platform to help you do that. As it happens, yeah, that's I've learned that over the years, and that is so important um, to help people because people want real people. People want real coaches that are real and understand them or just like them, but they're you know they've been through stuff that they haven't been through yet. So they're they're Sherpas. You're going up the mountain together. I use that all the time, Sherpas. Yeah, but you Sherpas still have to climb change. the mountain, and it's still hard for you as a Sherpa. So yeah, that's what that's what people want. And I've learned that the most powerful way to help others is going through it with them and as you go through your own stuff share it as you're going through it most people not most many people have the the fear that if i don't have everything packaged nicely and i've mm-hmm. been through it and i'm i'm great and i'm good because of it i can't help anyone and that's mm-hmm. not true be real be raw be authentic that's yeah. what metal life's about and so I, like you in our coaching we we pat we go through our stuff we share it with others we help them go through their stuff been doing that for a long time but i've always wanted to create a community uh-huh. where everybody brings their life stuff and helps each other yeah and that's what metal life is about so metal life's been around for a year and a half and we're just now getting good at it yeah but it's it's not it can't be about me it's got to be about everybody in that community bringing their own stuff getting help and helping each other Right, it's like a co-op, co-coaching yeah. community, oh, I you love know. That. I love that. Yeah. Right? It's like a it's like a coaching co-op. And, and and what's interesting is, you know, I I came to this realization. I went through exactly what you described right there. It's like, "Oh no, I don't have it together yet. I can't be in a relationship. I don't have it together yet. I can't I can't go out and and, and help somebody with this." And then right. I had a very amazing coach tell me say, "Well, you really only have to be one or two steps ahead." In fact, it's almost better that you're only one or two steps ahead of the person that you're helping because then you're more relatable. Mm-hmm. Actually, when you're 10, 15 steps ahead, there's a lot more work on your end to make yourself relatable to the person who's like years or just beginning that journey. They'll look at you if you don't, if you're not careful as 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 an untouchable, as unattainable, right? That yep. look. <laughs> yep. It's like uh yeah but you've got it all together it says you have no idea what i went through my whole point is i want i don't want to go i don't want you to go through what i went through so here let me help you but there but i think a lot of a lot of the challenges when people take that approach is like give me a few more years i need to work on myself this and that and then it gets so far ahead and by the time you feel like you've at least hit some plateau of like enlightenment and say like, now i'm gonna help people well, now you have to invest a few more years understanding how to make yourself relatable to the people that you could have helped years ago. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is for the coaches who are listening. This is a very important piece that you hear from both of us who are coaches as well to how if you're holding back or waiting at all to go out there and help somebody and you've already achieved results, some results, 
you know, in your life that has changed your life, okay, systematize it, package it, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe test it with a few clients to make sure that it actually is applicable in terms of your process, but go out there and do it. And, and I think MetaLife, like, and going back to what MetaLife is, is, is what you've created is a community that helps people do that. Like maybe all coaches should join that community so that they can continue fine tuning their own processes, but as, but in helping people at the same time, right? Yes. Yes. So, um, MetaLife, the only requirement to be a, a part of MetaLife, be part of the community, is you are uh, focused on your own growth. That's yeah. it. Wait, am I in that community? <laughs> Was I included? No. <laughs> oh, okay. How do I apply? So that's a good That's a good. That's a good statement. How does one get involved with MetaLife? <laughs> Go to our website. Uh, we are still updating our website. That's one of the parts that I have not been good at. Okay. Go to our website and uh, just sign up and you get a free ebook. Uh huh. And uh, if you want to, so there's, there's different levels, right? You get a free ebook, which is going to help you right? feel a little more like you're on your journey and you're ready for some things mm-hmm. then, then, uh, go to our metal life insiders community mm-hmm. on Facebook mm-hmm. and that's a closed group and you fill out a questionnaire. And if you, if you pass the questionnaire, then that's a group where you can just be yourself. Cool. And can sure you hit, really can you, can you find that group through a link on metalife.com? Um, no, that's a good idea. We will put that on there. Okay. Or, or, I mean, if someone reaches out from MetaLife, you will sh- share that with them. Or when they sign up for the ebook, does that get emailed to them so that they can apply yes. to? Oh, okay. Yeah. Perfect. So in case you are wanting to go there right now, you may have already misspelled it already called MetaLife.com. You actually, it's actually spelled M-E-T-A-L-Y-F.com. Okay. Uh, you know, it's, so it looks like metal if, <laughs> but it's MetaLife. Dot com. Metalife. Right. Life is short. LYF is short. That's why we did that. <laughs> right. So metalife.com, go there, get the ebook. Um, guarantee, like, if, especially if this is something that you really want to integrate as your journey in your life and working with people and in a coaching co op, or even if you're not a coach, go in there and get support and kind of helping you understand what it means to create a self growth path for yourself creating a growth habit for yourself in your life, which will then ripple out and impact all areas of your life, not just the money piece, not just potatoes, but also your relationships, your health, all those different things. I mean, I can't imagine you describing how you're smoking, overweight and everything like that because I look at you now and you're just completely I can't even imagine that being the case. Maybe it's the hair. Maybe it's the, <laughs> you know, the, the the barber that we both apparently go to. <laughs> I had a big bushy head until I no longer a jerk, and then it all went away. Ah, and now okay. I look like you, which is what I was aspiring to anyway. Oh yay! <laughs> <laughs> Everybody should aspire to look like way. No, just kidding. No, yep. they shouldn't. <laughs> so anyway, very cool. Believe it or not, we are actually at the hour mark. <laughs> Very nice. Wow. Two to go. Two hours to go. I know, Let's two go. hours to go. Unfortunately, this show is only an hour long any longer than I start to kind of chase after Joe Rogan, which I am not going to do because that's just not my niche, so to speak. Although, you know, I don't I wouldn't mind being as popular as him because he's he's done well for himself, you know, built a solid brand. I think he went into podcasting with a brand already. So yes, yes. Um, and he's kind of like you know, and he's engaging. He's got that charm. He's got you know whatever, and he's got my old client Elon as a as a as a buddy that he gets to smoke weed with. Whatever, <laughs> well, whatever. <laughs> with your mindset and the tools that you have to update that, there's no no 
we don't know when, but it's going to happen for you too. Yeah. So there's a few other podcasts that are coming soon. But anyway, that has nothing to do with the Money Lab. But again, Scott, thank you so much for uh, coming onto the show. Uh, all the different little gemstones that you share. Your story is amazing, and it's and it's it's a story I don't think we've ever shared before in terms of the progression, um, and how relevant and how recent it is even. Um, and so hopefully the audience gets a chance to really kind of understand the layers of what you shared and what, what's so important about that. Okay. And again, if you, um, are wanting to connect with Scott at all, uh, and you should, because just, he's a very cool guy. He's in San Diego. So if you're local San Diego, San Diego, he, and you should go watch him be funny, you know, stand up, (laughs) connect with him there. There's a huge contingency down there that a lot of people that I know, I need to make introductions to you for, but, uh, other than that, go to his website, metalife.com, M E T A L Y F.com. Get the ebook, get involved, get connected and um, get into that growth habit and, you know, pick his brain. I think he loves it when people want to pick his brain about how he got or what he went through, how he got to where he is today. So I'll share everything that's ever happened. I yeah. And how to retire from the from the all-American dream at 33, Yay. except healthier. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. And then I'm really looking forward to possibly having you back on again as you continue to go through. If another money story comes up, that aha moment, let me know. We'd love for you to come back on and share about that as well. At the rate it's going, it could be tomorrow. We'll see you then. Okay. (laughs) Episode number 95. (laughs) Scott's back. (laughs) All right, cool. So that's our show for the, for this week. Again, if you found this episode to be valuable, and I don't, I can't imagine why you wouldn't and know of someone else that could benefit from it or from what we talked about, share it. Make sure you to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or YouTube, whichever platform that you commonly kind of hang out on so that you make sure you don't ever miss an episode okay so um i don't know what's going on what happened here okay so (laughs) that's a wrap have an amazing week uh taking all the money knowledge from all the different levels of money stories for today and join me on the next episode of the money lab podcast this is way and scott signing off (laughs) 